Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. All right, I hope you guys are uh, enjoying this winter storm we're having. As you had the frozen chosen today, uh, I uh, went to a car show yesterday, and I, I drive a convertible, and I had the top down, and it was so cold I couldn't get it up. So we literally drove across town, and by the way, the car has no heat. And so we, my dad had a blanket wrapped around him, and we're like, we're going, okay, this is good. So uh, it, if you didn't... Um, didn't expect that. Just welcome to Tennessee. For those who moved in, we're at 75 one day and 35 the next, right? It's an adventure. Uh, welcome to those watching online. Y'all might be having tropical where you're living on uh, Pebble Beach or Florida, wherever you're watching from, but we're glad to have you. It's a little chilly here. Uh, today, today going to be some encouraging words. You got your Bibles, you can go ahead and pull them out. We are reading through the New Testament right now. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the books that we're reading in at this point. We're reading the Bible from cover to cover. And I was praying about what to uh, preach on, had a little idea of what I was going to preach on, and then just had a rough week this last week, just a lot of different things, everything from family, finances, uh, faith, just a lot of different stuff. So so much so that about, about Thursday, I was thinking, is there somebody I could call and just have them preach for me? Because I'm like... It's just a discouraging week. And then I started going over the passages that we were reading through. And I was like, I'm just going to look through the words of Jesus for encouragement. And as I did, it was like they began to leap off the page to me. And I got excited. I was like, okay, this is where we need to go. Just words of encouragement from Jesus. So whatever you're going through, you may be discouraged because the time changed and you're coming home and at 1 o'clock, it's already dark, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, why, why does it get dark so early? And then somebody gave me hope. They said, hey, you know they're getting rid of the time change next year. And they've said that for 100 years. Is it true? Is anybody hurt? Is it really true? No, yes, it's true. I'm, I'm holding on hope to Bob Taylor's word. That, <laughs> and you, you heard it here. If it doesn't change next year, we're all going to give him a, he's buying us all dinner. That's what he's doing. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know what you're walking through, but I know this. I know Jesus is our king, and he encourages us in the walk that we have day by day, and I just want to get the chance to do the same thing for you today. So uh, we're going to start in Luke, Luke chapter 10, and uh, we're going to read verses 17 to 20. While you're turning there, let me just say that the period of time that Jesus walked in was probably the hardest period in the history of the world. The Roman Empire had complete authority globally, and the Jews were in their, uh, under their captivity, if you would. They had some freedoms where they didn't get the freedom to be citizens, and so here they are. They're oppressed by the government. They have to pay heavy taxes. Financially, the people are stressed. There's poverty everywhere. Uh, Faith-wise, they were in a difficult place. The leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they weren't fair, but they were sad. And so they had all these challenges going on. 
and the world was not a moral place at that time. And, and Christ comes into this season where people had very little hope and very little encouragement. And as you read through what he taught, he's always pointing them to the hope that we have eternally and the hope that we can have even today on this earth. So that's what we're going to look at. Luke 10, let's read 17 to 20 to start with. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and find some hope today. Father, I come before you this morning, and I thank you for the renewed encouragement you've given me this weekend. I thank you, God, for your word that so brings life to all of us. I thank you, God, that your truth really do work in good times and bad. And I thank you, Lord, that you have a message of hope for everybody in the room today. So right now, Lord, I pray that you just like supernaturally turn off all cell phones, supernaturally draw all of our hearts to you, and that our, our hearts will be prepared for a message of encouragement. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, actually, I don't want your cell phones turned off if you're using the app and you're following along, right? Uh, but if you got those, you want to pull that out, or if you got the listening guide, you can follow along. Uh, but I got eight things that I want to encourage you with this morning. The first one, it says, Jesus encourages us with heaven. He was encouraging the disciples here with the hope of heaven. Now, they're having a great ministry time. He sends out 72, and they're going out together. And as they're going out together, man, they're seeing God do crazy big things. Like Jesus isn't even with them, and they're seeing that they have authority to cast out demons. Now, that was a new thing for them, right? And so you got to admit, that would be pretty, pretty amazing if like you are the ones getting to do what Jesus has done, and you've been watching Jesus do it, and he sends you out with that same authority, and you're probably going out, yeah, I'm not so sure it's going to work for me. And then it does, and you're seeing people get healed, you're seeing God move, and then Jesus says that thing where he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Like, what does that mean? I'm really not sure. I'm just, I mean, there's not a whole lot of reference, cross-reference, so some people believe that literally Satan fell at that time. Uh, I think it's more along the lines of he's saying, I saw Satan being defeated in that season as you guys went out. I saw the spiritual battle going on, and Satan is being defeated, and he is falling in his power at that time. And, and so therefore, the gospel's moving forward. He said, but don't put your hope and your encouragement on the ministry. Your hope and your encouragement is that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. Why not put your hope in the ministry? Why not get excited? I mean, he didn't say don't get excited, but don't put your hope there. Why? Because guess what? Ministry can be like this. You're so excited. Your best friend just got saved. You've been praying for him for 10 years. And then two years later, he's backstabbed you. He's left the, he's left the faith. He doesn't care for you anymore. And you're like, Lord, what happened? Sin, 
Sin happened, right? And so if, if you're getting your encouragement and your hope from the things that you see that are going well, then when they don't go well, you're going to be discouraged and defeated and flustered. So Jesus says, put your hope in your encouragement in the eternal things that do not change. Now, for the disciples, this would have been really important because out of the 12, one betrayed Jesus, another one was persecuted, but he didn't die for it, and the other 10 were all killed for their faith. But they had hope in heaven, and it gave them boldness because they believed it to be true. So Jesus encourages each of us today with heaven. John 14, 1 and 2, you can just chicken scratch that next to your notes, is where Jesus says, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. I go to prepare a place for you in heaven. Some, some say I go to prepare a mansion for you. It's probably not the best translation. It's more like a room in God's mansion, but as an extrovert, that makes me even more excited. You know, I don't want a mansion by myself. I'd rather like be a part of a big commune where there's like a football field right in the middle of it, you know, and like every day you get to go out and play. And But I'm sure there's like single rooms for the introverts too that, you know, you can have your, your quiet time as well because it's heaven, right? But for those of us that are extrovert, I'm guessing there's like this major jungle gym right in the middle and we just get to play all day. Anyway, all right, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. That's just Steve Taboo's guesstimations. Okay, just to be clear, okay. Second biblical thing, though, is that Jesus encourages the children. Man, children can either be seen as the things that bring joy and life into a community or the things that are trouble. Now, we believe in our community, as you can tell, we're very family and children and grandchildren and niece and nephew focused. You see a lot of families doing activities, but that's not true in every culture. In some cultures, the phrase is children should be seen but not heard, right? And we, we take a different approach because why? Because we take the approach Christ had. Look at what he said in Luke 18, 15 and 17. It says, one day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Let me pause there. Very common in the Jewish culture, especially in that day, that children were seen and not heard, okay? But not with Jesus. Verse 16, then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these little children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So Jesus takes this and uses it as an example for others. He helps them understand, first of all, that children are important in the eyes of God. We were, uh, we had this thing called Windshape here. It's a kid's camp. They had, I don't know, like 300 kids. They used the whole building, the whole, whole campus. But I was gone. I was on sabbatical. And so I was gone during that time. I didn't get to be a part of it. And so then I come back, and, and about a month later, I, I just started noticing as I walked down the walls downstairs that we had just put in a year ago, 
I was like, man, it looks like somebody's just been running up and down these halls and like dragging their hands all over it while they went. And, and I asked TJ, our, our executive pastor, I said, TJ, what's, what's the story on those walls? I said, those were brand new a year ago. He said, oh, we had wind shape down there. That's probably the kids. I was like, oh, okay, great. That's what it's there for. We can always repaint that. You, I mean, but you got to have those 300 kids here. Amen? Amen? So you look at a church that doesn't have kids, man, the church is dying. Uh, we've got to love our children. We've got to be doing stuff to help them understand Christ. We've got to be equipping parents to love their children. We've got to be equipping parents to disciple their children. At the end of the day, you and I, we get the privilege to pour into our kids, and as a church, we get the privilege to pour into the kids. And that's got to be a priority for us. And Christ set that example. Well, third thing, Jesus gives encouragement to the weary. Anybody ever feel weary before? <clears throat> you ever want to give up on somebody? Amen? A kid that just stays wayward, a, a marriage that's broken, a, a parent that just continues to hurt your feelings, a sibling that you just hadn't talked to in years, it's it's easy to grow weary in caring. It's easy to grow weary in helping others. Sometimes you, you, you help and 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 you help, and it just doesn't seem like you're seeing the results that you want to see. And when that happens, that's why you got to keep your eyes on heaven, right? But Jesus encourages the weary here in Matthew 11. Now, if you got your own Bibles, I encourage you to pull out Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Tab that piece of paper, mark it up, because you'll want to learn this passage. I encourage you to memorize it because it's so encouraging. Verse 28 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Look at this key word, rest. He said, I will give you rest. You can find rest for your souls. Don't you feel like you need that sometimes? You need that, that peace that only God can give your soul. Well, he wants to give us that encouragement. He wants to give that to us. So this week, I was, like I said, it was just a tough week on so many fronts, I'm like, Lord, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. And as I was reading this passage, I really felt like the Lord said, okay, this is your time to, to bring these burdens to me. And this may sound weird, but kind of what I did was I pictured myself here at the altar, and I pictured myself taking that burden that I was struggling with in my family. I'm, I'm going to put that one right there, Lord. And I took my job, and I took that, and I said, okay, God, I'm going to put that one right there. And I took the finances, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to put that one right there. And I took everything that was burdening me, and I, I, in my mind, I came here to the altar, and I put them right there on the altar. And I said, Lord, you said to, to give you my burdens. I'm putting them there, and I'm walking away. And I'm going to go back and enjoy this day, enjoy the moment, enjoy your word, and leave those burdens there, what I can't deal with on them. Now, I didn't see a bright light. I didn't, I didn't get all of them fixed in the last 24 hours. But I tell you, it was rest for my soul. 
I wasn't carrying and trying to fix all of them. It was rest for my soul. Listen, there is more stuff that you'll be up against in your life than you can handle. There is. And the, the more you lead and the stronger you get in your faith and your character, you'll be a leader in your job. You'll be a leader in your family. You'll be a leader in extended relationships. And more and more people will come to you for wisdom and insight and strength. And as they do, if you try to carry the burden, it will crush you. It'll, it will. It'll, it'll crush you. You've got to constantly remember to bring these burdens to God, put them before him on his throne, and trust him that he's big enough and he can carry what you can't carry. He wants to carry that. Here's what he, he says. He says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there's two possible translations or interpretations for this yoke. One I heard that I thought was interesting uh, is that the yoke is what they would call a rabbi's teaching ideas. So if, if kind of like if I wrote a book, like here's what I would say to you. It's all about loving God, loving people, and impacting the world, guys. And here's some things I've learned on top of what I got from Scripture. Here's some things that I've learned, and here's my top 10 tips, okay? And a rabbi would have his own yoke, his own teaching, uh, if you would. And so some believe that that Christ is saying, listen, if you'll take my teaching, it's light. If you take my teaching, it's encouraging. If you take my teaching, it points to truth and all of this. And so some believe that's what he's referring to. The other, which is a little more common in mainstream, is the yoke is actually like what an oxen would wear. And that if you had a, a, a double yoke, Jesus is saying, I'm going to yoke with you. If you come yoke with me, I'm going to do the weight pulling, and you're going to walk alongside me and learn. Now, that was the way they would do it with a, a new ox, is they would, they would connect a yoke, a double yoke to two oxes. They would have the one established, strong, mature oxen, and then they'd have the other one as the, the young one, and they would pull together, and basically the mature one was doing all the heavy lifting, and the other one is being trained the whole time until they both begin to pull together. Does that make sense? Either way, Jesus is saying, come, bring that to him. Yoke up with him and let him be your encourager. Let him pull the heavy weight. Let him do the heavy lifting. And I'll tell you, when you do, it'll refresh you. It'll give you rest for your soul. Well, next thing, uh, Jesus encourages the generosity. He encourages generosity in the generous widow here for this story specifically. In Luke 21, it says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they've given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. Now, Jesus spoke a lot about giving in the New Testament. Matter of fact, it's almost the only thing he encouraged and bragged on the Pharisees for doing right, because they did tie the tenth of everything. But, interesting, 
He looked past the rich that came through and dropped money in and waited until a widow who had nothing to give but gave everything to talk about giving. It was the generosity of this widow that she was willing to step out in faith and trust God to give this gift for the work of the Lord. And Jesus recognized that. And he pointed out to the disciples, let me tell you, if you wait until you have money to start trusting God with your money, you'll never have money. It's just a common fact. Jesus wants us to live by faith. And so she was living by faith. Says her last two mites. Now, he would have known that because he's God, right? And she was stepping out on faith, trusting God. Got a friend of mine, he's got a ring. And on that ring is a widow's mite. And I asked him why he wears that ring. He said, well, he came from extreme poverty. And God's blessed him tremendously. And he's probably the most generous person I know. And he said, I always want to remember that God called me to have the generosity of the widow. I was like, man, good testimony. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to find the joy in generosity, to trust God in that area of your life, and to see God bless you in that life. And he encourages that in her, and he encourages that in us. And then fifth, Jesus gives encouragement that God is a good father and that he hears us. Luke 9, excuse me, Luke 11, 9 to 13. Jesus is speaking, and he says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Your fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, circle that word more, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So dads, moms, I want to encourage you to try this. Okay, grandparents, uncles, whoever, I want to encourage you to try this with your kids. It's a great teaching lesson for them for the love of God. So the next time you're out and you're going somewhere and it's during mealtime and your kids are like, Dad, I'm so hungry. Can we stop and get a cheeseburger? You go, well, what if I give you a bow constrictor? And just say that and just see what happens. And, and then they go, well, what if we go get pizza? Just, just say to them, say, look, I'm going to get you a scorpion. That's what you deserve, kid. And just see how they respond. You're probably going to shock them, right? Jesus said this for shock value. Because hopefully there's no parent that when the kid asks for a daily meal, the parent goes, oh, yeah, you want food? I'll give you food. I'll give you a snake. Oh, yeah, I'll give you a scorpion. No parent's going to say that. Jesus is using shock factor to show if, if we, as normal people, love our kids enough to provide for them and care for them, how much more does your perfect heavenly father want to hear your prayer request and want to be there for you? Now, interesting, he says, he doesn't say give you all the stuff you want. He says, and give you the Holy Spirit. Your heavenly father to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. In other words, as much of the presence and love of God is there for us as we keep asking. 
Let's keep asking. I want to encourage you, it's not limited. It doesn't stop with just a little bit. God's got more. He's got more. I want to know him more today than I knew him a year ago. I feel like he showed that to me this week. I've been preaching for 30 years, and then I feel like this week, just his encouragement to me, out of the blue on Friday, I get a text from a brother that doesn't go to our church, and he says to me, he says, hey, Steve, I I hope I'm not bothering you, but I just want to call and check on you. I want to text you and check on you, because on Monday, in my prayer time, the Holy Spirit put a burden on my heart for you, and I've been praying for you for encouragement this week. Did I give you God bumps? It gave me God bumps, and I was just like, it's just a small text. But I was like, God, you heard my prayers. You heard my prayers, God, and you spoke to somebody else because I was, wasn't doing a good enough job praying for myself. You spoke to somebody else to call my name out before the throne. Thank you, Dad. Thank you that you didn't give me a snake, but you gave me a triple whopper. That's what the Lord does. He's got a triple whopper with biggie fries, none of the little dinky little fries they give you, right? It's what the Lord has for us. And that meant so much to me. And I mean, I could have made it through the week without that, but just that little bit. And the Holy Spirit may prompt you as you're praying for people. And he may just prompt you, you know what? You need to pray extra for your mom this week. You need to pray extra for your sibling this week. You need to pray extra for your spouse this week. You need to pray extra for your friend this week. Send them that text and just say, hey, is everything okay? Just feel like the Lord said to lift up a prayer for you today and I want you to know you're in my prayers. It's amazing what kind of encouragement that might give somebody and allow you and I to be part of that encouraging process for God. Well, number six, Jesus encourages disciples with the, should be, I should have put in there, crucifixion and resurrection. This is what gave them hope, okay? John 12, 27 to 33, Jesus is speaking. He says, and this is when he's about to be crucified. He says, should my, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. So there's that encouragement Jesus got from his father, right? That's pretty cool. But then 29 says, when the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of the world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will what? Draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he would die. We know that lifted up means he would be lifted up in crucifixion. And because of the crucifixion and resurrection, the disciples had hope. I've done four funerals in the last four weeks. And as I do a funeral, man, the hope is that somebody knows Christ. Because if there is no knowing Christ, there is no hope in those moments. And it is very difficult to do those funerals. I, I do not like doing funerals in that way, but I will. 
And I just point them to the hope of Jesus and his mercy. And uh, I point them to the hope of Christ that forgiveness uh, is for those in the room. And as long as we're alive, there is hope for those in the room. And I just uh, point to the hope that we can have for each one of us. But in, in those moments when someone knows Christ, it is so encouraging to look people in the eye and with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, know that you're telling them the truth, that this world is not the end, that the promises of God are true. I was with somebody just recently, and the hope that they had in their final moments was, was pure and true. Uh, I've been with people in their final moments when they literally, God gives them a vision, and they're like, they see people that are in heaven, and they start calling their names out. And the neat thing was, I didn't know whose names they called out. And the, the gal that was their daughter said, you know what's interesting? Everybody they called their names out, out loud, verbally, are all people that have already died and are in heaven. Didn't call the names out of daughters or sisters that were still in the room. And then they passed. I'm telling you, heaven is real. And we can have encouragement that there's a resurrection of the body. That's what gave the disciples courage, right? They knew that Christ was resurrected. Now, I will say to you that in those moments, sometimes in your faith, you may feel like God's not with you. And there have been times in my, my journey with Christ that I felt like God was not with me. And it's just a lie, and it's just a feeling. When Jesus was on the cross, he quoted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You remember that passage he quoted? And I always struggle with that passage because it didn't seem fair to me that in Jesus' greatest moments, at his time with the greatest obedience, in his time of his greatest need, that he's calling out and he doesn't feel like God is there for him. Until someone pointed out to me that a very common thing in the, the Jewish tradition was to, that you would memorize, if you went through Jewish school, you had to memorize all the Psalms. And then what they would do is they would quote the first verse of a psalm to reference the whole psalm, which makes perfectly good sense because Psalm 22 is where that passage comes from. It is the first verse of a whole chapter, and it's a messianic chapter. It even says, my hands and my feet are pierced. Go read it this week. It'll send God bumps up and down your spine because it was written over a 1,000 years before Jesus came. And Jesus quotes that psalm my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe because he felt forsaken in that moment. He didn't feel like God was with him. I mean, you're, you got your nails in your hands, nails in your feet, and yet he could voice at least the first verse, I believe, to declare to others, one, I'm fulfilling the messianic prophecy, and two, I don't feel like God's with me, but if you read that whole psalm, by the middle of the psalm, the writer comes back around and goes, I don't feel like you're with me, God, but I know you are. I don't feel like you're with me, but I'm trusting that you are. I don't feel like you're there, but I know your promises are true, and you are here, and I will proclaim your praises to the ends of the earth. So go back and read that and find that encouragement from the fact that Christ knew about the crucifixion, and he walked through it to the resurrection, and he encourages all of us with that. Then number seven, Jesus encourages the lost that God is searching for them. Now, when I became a Christian, uh, I, I walked the aisle like we do here sometimes. We invite people to come forward 
and I prayed with somebody, and I thought that was when my spiritual journey began. I thought that was like my first step. And the longer I've been a Christian, the more I realized, no, that was 10 years into my journey. Because 10 years earlier, I'd been invited to go to a vacation Bible school as a six-year-old, maybe seven. And I remember that first time singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It stuck in my heart, and I remembered it every day. I remember that Jesus loved me. Whoever Jesus is, he loved me, and it stuck in my heart. That was the beginning seed that had been planted by a next-door neighbor who was maybe eight years old that invited me to go to vacation Bible school. And then the seed was watered by my next-door neighbor on the other side of me that used to knock on the door and take me to Sunday school and tell me about Jesus as I went to Sunday school. And then the seed was watered more by my friends that I went to school with who would invite me to spend the night, and they had this trick. I realize now it was, it was a wonderful trick. They would invite me to spend the night on Saturday nights and tell me I had to go to church with them on Sunday if I did. And so I, I would go to spend the night on Saturday night and then go to church with them on Sunday. And they, they watered that seed. And then I remember a friend invited me to revival and another friend invited me to youth group and another friend invited me to FCA and another friend invited me. And I, I look back now and I'm like, there wasn't one moment. There was like a thousand moments of people pouring into me, helping me find the good news of Jesus. God had been drawing me all that time. He'd been calling me all those years. He'd been letting me know that he loved me all that time. And then that day I walked the aisle was just a culmination of all that time. Jesus wants us to know that he's drawing us. He's drawing the lost. Luke 15, 8 to 10 says this. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp? and sweep the entire house and sweep, search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she'll call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in heaven in the presence of God's angels, even when one sinner repents. So let me explain this story. Why is it that there's such an, an excitement about one coin? I mean... I got, a, I got a quarter in my pocket. All right, if I throw that, there you go. Catch, oh, you missed it. Okay. Now that rolls right. Who knows where it goes, right? It's gone. Now, I'm not going to go search for a quarter. Not in front of people anyway. Y'all leave. I'm going to be under those chairs. I mean, I, you know, I'll be under the chairs later. But I, I'm not going to go dig under those chairs right now because it's just a quarter, right? But that was not a quarter that he's talking about in this story. See, in the Middle East, uh, they didn't have banks and places to put their money for retirement. So what they'd do was when they get a certain amount of money, they would melt it into a coin of pure silver or pure gold, and they would put it on a necklace to go around the matriarch's neck. And that was her promise of security for her long-term provision. And then as she needed it, as she got older, she would pull a coin off, cash it in. And so if she had 10 of those around her neck, that, that is 10% of her retirement. Now, I'm guessing nobody, I didn't see anybody dive after that quarter, right? But if I threw 10 grand on the floor and said, first one gets it, it's yours, oh my goodness. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a free-for-all, right? It's going to like 
Tennessee Vols going after Val Kiffin on the football game or something. Anyway, it's going to be one of those moments where everybody's going after that thing. And that was the description that Jesus gave. When she loses that coin, she's going to turn the house upside down, pick up every piece of furniture until she finds her retirement. That is the description Jesus gave of how much God is looking for folks that do not yet know him. He is turning over every piece of furniture trying to find a way to reach you with his love. If you're here today and you do not yet know the love of Jesus, here's what you need to know. This is encouraging. Jesus is turning over everything in your life trying to discover how he can have a relationship with you. And it may get rough sometimes before, before you surrender, but he wants you with all his heart and soul. And he'll turn every piece of furniture upside down. He'll keep the light going. He's doing all that he can. And then when someone makes a decision to follow Jesus, says the angels all rejoice. There is a party that goes on in heaven when one person professes Christ. There is a celebration that takes place. And we get the chance to be a part of it. Now, I, I want to encourage you not to grow weary when you're praying for people. I want you to be encouraged today that God is at work. You may not see it because they may not be making any steps forward. I was one of those kids that sometimes I came when the neighbor asked me, and sometimes I didn't. But God kept drawing me. This week, I was praying over the the stage. If you don't know, we've got names on the stage up here. And we invite people each week. If you want, there's markers up here. You can write names on the stage. And I got my little category right here. My name's the people I'm praying to be born again to, to, for God to find, okay? And I was praying through my list this week, and I got to one of the names on my list, and it's somebody that, that I met through a business deal. I thought it was about business. He thought it was about business. But the business didn't work out So at that time. So as we continued to talk, I realized God had something else in mind. Started talking to him about the Lord, started talking to, about to him where he was at, and he said he's not a follower of Jesus. I said, well, can I share with you my story? He said, sure. So I started telling him my story, how I follow Jesus, and, and what a difference it's made in my life. He said, well, that's interesting. He said, maybe, maybe that is why we're here. He said, because my wife's been going to church over at Life Church, and she's been asking me to go with her. And Sometimes I go, he said, but I just got a lot of questions. I said, well, it just so happens I'm actually a pastor, and maybe I can answer a question for you or two. And he said, really? He said, okay, and he starts asking me questions. And I answered them as best I could, and, and then he said, well, uh, you know, what, what else do I need to know? I said, well, I said, you need to, to give your life to Christ. He said, well, I'm not ready for that yet. I said, okay. I said, can I give you a Bible and, and you can read it and start learning for yourself? He said, okay. So I gave him a Bible and showed him how to read the Bible and how to follow through. And since that time, I've kept up with him about every two or three months. Uh, I, I'll text him, say, how's it going? So I texted him about two months ago. And again, I'm praying for him all this time, right? Calling him his name out before the Lord. And about two months ago, I said, how's it going? He said, well, I'm going to church every Sunday. I said, that's great. Have you given your life to Jesus? He said, no, not yet. I said, okay, well, just so you know, I'm praying for you that, that God will, will draw you by his loving kindness. Okay. Well, I texted him after praying for him this time. I said, how's it going? He said, well, about a month ago, I prayed and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So now, 
I'm gonna go, I'm gonna put a star by his name and you guys can do the same thing when somebody gets saved and this will be kind of cool. I hadn't thought this till now. Put a little star there. And Keith has gone from eternal death to eternal life. Folks, that's also why we need other churches. He gave his life to the Lord at life. He was baptized there. His wife was already connected, already had friends. Man, there's people that are here because somebody else in another church was praying for you, but you got connected here and you found Jesus here. That's why we need the whole body of Christ. I just want to encourage you. God's looking for you. If you're here and you do not yet know Christ, he's looking for you because he loves you. And the last thing, Jesus encourages us to make every effort to enter the narrow gate of salvation. There's a part that we all have to play. He calls it a gate. Interesting picture. He says it's narrow, the narrow gate of salvation. He says that in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very difficult, it's very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Jesus encourages everybody to make a decision to walk through that gate. He's working, he's drawing you, he's loving on you, he's bringing those people into your life and say, can I pray for you, can I encourage you? He's doing all that, but there's a place where you have to step across that line. And you have to open that gate and say, I'm all in. And it's a narrow gate. But broad is the path over here, man. The world offers you all these lies. But God offers a gate. That gate is forgiveness and repentance in Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite everybody, if you would, to stand with me. Jimmy's going to come. He's going to lead us in a song. And as he does, I, I want to give you a chance. Now, over here to my left... Man, we've got, uh, you can come write your names on the stage. we still got room. Put people's names on the stage to pray for them. You can come here. Maybe you got a burden. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe you got a heavy burden on your heart. It's weighing you down. And you need to come forward and, and just symbolically in your mind, just put it here and pray. If you do, nobody's going to pray with you, okay? We, we give you the freedom. This is like private spot over here to just pray and talk to God one-on-one. And if you need to do that, then do that. Over here to my right, if you come over here to pray, then somebody's gonna pray with you. One of our uh, staff, one of our deacons, one of our pastors, whatever, will, will come. If you kneel up here, someone's gonna come, put their arm on your shoulder and say, how can I pray for you today? And you can talk to them about how they could pray for you and they'll pray for you, okay? And then I'll be in the middle. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never opened that gate, and I want to encourage you, let today be your day. Don't wait another day. Don't wait till next Friday. Don't wait till next Thursday. We're going to have a big baptism in November. Uh, I think we got five or six people signed up now. And, man, we want to baptize 100 people, 1,000 people, 20,000, whatever, you know. We want to have baptism night. But the first step before you follow in that testimony of baptism is to say yes to Jesus. You can do that in your seat where you're at and say, Jesus, I give you everything. Please forgive me, or you can come, and we'll talk, and I'll help you walk through that. As Jimmy plays.
May you be obedient to what God tells you. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.